0: Good morning. I'm Nick Anders, and I'll be reading today from the book of Jude, all 25 verses. And Jude can be found on pages 1213 and 1214 in the Bibles beneath the seat in front of you. The book of Jude, verses 1 through 25. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only Sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only god our savior be glory majesty power and authority through jesus christ our lord before all ages now and forevermore amen the word of the lord
1: 15 years ago a man named wayne thompson drove a truck into a hill uh, right into it and uh, he wasn't drunk or anything actually meant to do it uh, it was a bread truck And he had moved into a home, him and his wife, Brenda, they had moved into a home that did not have a basement or a place where they could uh, find shelter from a storm. So he had heard that you can sometimes just kind of put a vehicle underground, leaving one door exposed so that you can get in when the storm comes. And that's what he did. He bought a bread truck and he kind of carved out the side of a hill and he drove that bread truck right in there and then he buried it. And all that was exposed was the last, just the back doors. And it looked kind of silly. We saw it. This was one of the people we got to work with, and uh, it's kind of interesting because you, from their house, well, what was their house? From their house, you can see just kind of a hill, and then when you walk around the backside, there's these doors uh, from a bread truck. So it looks pretty interesting. But uh, he'd known, he knew that that was a way that uh, he could build himself a storm pit, as he calls it. But. Um, People thought it was pretty interesting, pretty funny, and a lot of people, a lot of his neighbors would kind of give him a hard time about it and joke and laugh a little bit, and uh, his wife Brenda said that for 15 years people laughed about the fact that he'd put this bread truck in the ground to keep them safe, but um, on April 27th of this year when three huge tornadoes rolled through that area, nobody was laughing anymore, particularly because... um, Well, nobody was laughing because of the devastation. I don't know if you guys know all of the devastation that happened, but we know more about the DeKalb County area, which is where we went. And um, there was three tornadoes. One was classified as an EF4 and maybe even an EF5, which basically means it was one of the biggest, baddest tornadoes that you could imagine. And uh, 300 homes were completely destroyed, and we got to see a few of them. 30 people died. And you can you can see the pictures, but when you're there, uh, the devastation is just—it's unbelievable. And uh, Wayne and Brenda, though, uh, they're okay, and their family—they're fine because they hid out in their tornado pit, and they were. They were just fine. They don't have insurance, and so now they are homeless except for a FEMA-provided mobile home, but but they're alive, and they're rejoicing. They have nothing. All of their things were picked up, ripped up by this tornado, and thrown about a quarter mile down the road into some trees and into a pond, but they rejoice because they were safe. And, you know, you think, imagine if somebody that had uh, been laughing about his tornado pit, about his bread truck in the ground. Imagine if someone had sort of talked to him and maybe convinced him that that was stupid and uh, he shouldn't worry about that. Imagine if somebody had come along and say, listen, Wayne, people are joking, but seriously, don't hide in that truck. Just stay in your house. Just get under your table when the, if a tornado comes. Can you imagine that? What would have happened? They would have been dead. They would have been absolutely dead because their house was totally destroyed. And see, if you can think about that, if you can imagine someone telling something to someone that you love that would end up leading to their destruction, you get pretty, pretty angry. You know, it's like, if you, if, I, at least I feel like that, if, if somebody was telling someone I love something that's going to lead them to their destruction, I feel like I would drop everything and run and tell them the truth and say, no, don't listen to this idiot. Here's the truth. That's what Jude does. Jude is a really cool book, and we're going to look at it for the next two weeks. Um, I wish we had more. The more I studied it, I was like, whoa, this is going to take seven years. But there, uh, we don't have that much time, so we're just going to like do a 30,000-foot view. We're going to look at some super important things I want you guys to get. But uh, Jude, if you look in the very first verse, he says, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share. Actually, it's verse 3. He said he was very eager to write about the salvation that we share. But he says, uh, I felt I had to write you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. So something that's important is Jude wanted to write to these people, the recipients of this letter, and just kind of brag on God. He wanted to say, oh, how awesome is our salvation? How amazing is it that when we put our faith in Christ we're forgiven of all of our sins and we receive his righteousness and we're promised a, a new heavens, a new earth where we will see God face to face. He just wanted to go off and just 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 celebrate salvation. But he had heard, apparently, that some false teachers had slipped in, as he said, and begun to mess with what they believed, began to kind of change things, began to uh, teach things that weren't true and that would eventually lead those people to their destruction if they followed it. So he said, even though I want, I was very eager to talk about the gospel, I had to write, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. Let me tell you what he means by that. When he says the faith, uh, he's not referring to our faith that we have as individuals in Christ. That's part of it. But when he's referring to the faith, he's talking about everything that we believe. He's talking about everything the Old Testament teaches, everything the New Testament teaches, everything the apostles were teaching, that is the faith. And one author puts it this way. He says, the faith refers to the body of information believed by the early church. And Paul in Galatians 1 and 1 Timothy 4 uses the faith in that same way. So that's what he's talking about. Sometimes when we hear that, phrase contend for the faith we're thinking apologetics and apologetics is the um that's where one professing believer is having a dialogue with a professing non-believer and the believer is defending his or her faith okay that's apologetics that's a insider outsider struggle what jude is saying what jude is talking about here is different when jude says contend for the faith he's talking about insider struggle He's talking about people that are inside the church teaching things that are wrong, teaching things that are false. And so when he's saying contend for the faith, he's saying don't let anybody change what you've been taught. Don't let anybody change what Scripture says. Don't let anybody change the gospel. He's saying contend for the faith. He's saying keep Christianity Christianity. Don't let it change. Keep the gospel, the gospel. Don't let somebody come in and change that. That's what he's arguing that we need to make sure that we do that. We need to be ready to stand up and fight those who would try to change things. And he knows that it's, this is so important because when people come in and try to change things, people start to doubt, like he mentions in verse 22. Or you wind up with division, like he mentions in verse 19. So this is, this is a big deal. And we need to understand that not only Jude mentions false teachers, Jesus did, Paul did, Peter did. Basically, every New Testament author mentions the fact that there's false teachers. And so two things. For, for Christians who are following Christ, who are faithful and loving the Lord Jesus, you know, we need to be aware of this. But let me address any of you that may not be Christians. Maybe you're just here. Maybe it's your first Sunday in church ever. Uh, maybe you're just kind of checking things out. And I want to say something to you um, You may have your objections to Christianity, and the reality is they may be good and right because you may have been taught by someone who is a false teacher. Maybe you reject Christianity because you should, and God has been gracious to not let you reject some messed up version of his gospel. And so the challenge that I would uh, issue to you is stick around, come to church, Stay here for a few months. Keep learning and growing. Because we're preaching grace. We're preaching what the Bible teaches. And we know that'll transform you. We know that'll help you get to a point where you're like, wow, I didn't realize the Bible teaches that. That's so freeing. That's so amazing. So stick around. Get into a discipleship group. Get into a life group. And when Sunday school rolls around in the fall, be there. Because maybe you don't like what you've heard because you've heard something wrong. But either way, something to be thinking about. Let's let's talk a little bit about how, how does a false teacher operate? How does a false teacher operate? And uh, this is frustrating because a false teacher doesn't stand up and announce that he's a false teacher. It's not like someone will stand up in the middle of the room here with a shirt that says, I'm a false teacher and start bashing the Trinity or something. I mean, that would be so easy because then we'd say, hey, he's a false teacher. Get him! A Bible! You know, And, and we, we could do something about it. We could do something about him. And in fact, we would, we would remove him. We would take him or her out of here gently. But we would not let... We would not let somebody teach something that is false. But they don't do that. They don't wave flags and wear shirts and say, I'm a false teacher. Jude says that they slip in. Look at verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. So it's not as easy as identifying them. They slip in. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 something similar he says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. And so there's that concept from Paul. And we see it other places too, that they, they slip in and fairly undetected. And they begin to make plans to teach. In fact, what they also, if you look in verse 12... Uh, He mentions that they are shepherds who feed only themselves. And so what that is teaching us is these false teachers, they get in a position to teach. Maybe they get into leading a small group so they can teach a small group of people this false doctrine that they believe. Maybe they end up an elder or a pastor. Okay, let me make something very clear. I am not at all saying that anyone in our church, none of our elders, none of our deacons, none of our life group leaders, none of our Sunday school teachers, none of our ministry leaders, Are we at all afraid that there's a false teacher? So let me just put that to bed in case some of you are like, is he about to name an elder? (laughs) I'm not going to do that because we don't need to. We have been very blessed by God to have been protected from false teaching, but we're not impenetrable, which is why we're looking at this today because we need to be aware of that. Uh, So they so they slip in and then they get positions of authority. They get to where they can teach people and and people are sort of expecting to learn from them. Now, one of the things that's different about Jude and Paul is Paul, when he writes about false teachers, he's very focused on legalism. That's where people are telling you that there's things you've got to do if you're going to be saved, which is not true because Jesus has done all that is necessary for us to be saved. Uh, He he focuses on legalism. Jude is focusing on what we would call antinomianism. That's a fun word. Um, Basically, that means lawlessness. And he says this right in the beginning. He says, uh, certain men, uh, verse 4, certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. So they are... Uh, these false teachers that Jude is talking about are the type that are going to lead you into sin. Which we know how damaging uh, that can be. So, so now we know a little bit about how a false teacher operates. How about, uh, how does someone become a false teacher? There is to my knowledge, no false teacher academy. But there is a way that this happens. And as I was studying this passage this week, I saw this and I I thought, boy, that is interesting because we all need to know that because what it means is we're all, you know, possible false teachers unless we're careful. Okay. Look at verse 11. Very interesting. Jude, you're awesome, man. Check this out. Verse 11. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Jude was writing to people he knew were predominantly Jewish, and they would know all these stories by heart, and so he doesn't have to explain too much. Let me sort of explain what he's getting at here. He's talking about Cain, and he's talking about Balaam, and he's talking about Korah. And what I think is it, he's actually showing us how it happens, starting with Cain, the way of Cain. If you've read, you know, you read Genesis four, you know, the story of Cain, Cain didn't want to do things the way God wanted him to. And so he received God's displeasure and that made him even more angry. So he killed his brother. But the bottom line is Cain wanted to do things his own way. Cain did not want to submit to God's authority or anyone's authority. He wanted to do things his own way and he just chose to do things his own way. And that's how it starts. A false teacher is someone who's in the covenant community, they're part of the church, and they just reject God's authority, so they start doing things their own way, and that's just the way it is, and they're not going to let anybody change them. Now, secretly, of course, remember, these people secretly slip in, but they are doing things their own way. Now, Balaam, what is Balaam's error? If you read about Balaam in Numbers 22, you're going to get a good picture of what happened he was called. He was paid to bring a curse. It wound up being a blessing. But the reality is, there's more to the story that isn't necessarily mentioned in the Old Testament. Jesus makes sure that we know it in Revelation. And in Revelation 2.14, Jesus says this. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. So... What Jude is saying as far as Balaam's error. It's not like Balaam got a math problem wrong and got an error. He intentionally erred in teaching people that it's okay to sin. Enticing them into sinful behavior. They mention here eating food sacrificed to idols and sexual immorality. That's not limited to that. False teachers don't limit their teaching about sin to those things. But those are two examples. But that's how you know. That's one of the ways you know that you're dealing with a false teacher. They are encouraging you to sin they're somehow manipulating the text in certain areas or trying to reinterpret the bible in some way so that you believe that it's okay to do these things that's not okay to do and so they've, they've gone the way of cain they're saying i'm going to do it my own way then they've committed Balaam's error where they've started to teach people this false stuff that's not true. And then the last part is Korah's rebellion. If you read about in, uh, number 16, a story about Korah, he was this leader, had a couple leaders with him. They wanted to take down Moses. They didn't think Moses was the true leader, so they're like, we're gonna take him out. They got about 250 people that believed him and were following them. And so they tried to have this rebellion, but, uh, God put them in their place. Uh, If you read the story, it's um, the earth opens up and swallows up Korah and the leaders, and then the 250 followers are burned alive. You can read it as a bedtime story if you want. (laughs) But you see what happens? Do you see what happens? It gets to the point where eventually a leader has, has brought a lot of people along with him, believing something that's not true, and God puts them all down. That's why it's so important that we don't follow false teachers, much less become one. So giving into sin and then doing things your own way and then eventually leading a lot of people. Uh, this would be the case for Mormonism. This would be the case for Jehovah's Witnesses. These are Christian cults. They try to use Christianity. They were based originally on Christianity, but they have changed things. And these leaders have led thousands of people to believe things that are false and that will leave them in hell. So, very important that we understand. Uh, how it happens so we can understand one thing that we need to understand is why God uh, is so, you know, God has really bad things in store for false teachers. In fact, it's right here. If you look in verses five through seven, he talks about these uh, nonbelievers that were destroyed. Then he talks about angels who did not keep their positions and they were abandoned uh, or uh, he has kept them in darkness and bound with everlasting chains for judgment day. And then he mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah and these all uh, serve as examples of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So you've got destruction, you've got darkness and chains, you've got suffering and punishment in eternal fire and the blackest darkness forever he mentions in 13. This is for false teachers. And what I would submit to you is uh the blackest darkness i think it's very likely that the people who will suffer the most in hell are false teachers because they they came to people trying to pretend that they were teaching them about christ that would set them free and they put them in chains and so i think that probably false teachers will receive the worst punishment but we'll have to see um now i'm going to do something interesting uh, well, it was interesting to me, you might be bored to tears. But here's the thing. Um, Jude is not nice. Did you notice that? Jude is not nice to these false teachers. He's very harsh. In fact, one Christian author says that uh, the early Christians condemned false doctrine in a way that sounds almost unchristian today. And it's true. He gets pretty harsh with them. And I dug through and found 23, 23 things I don't ever want to be called. I don't know why I just put up three. That was awkward. He put, he found, I found 23 things I don't want to be called. Okay? Listen to this. This is Jude talking about false teachers. Number one, in verse four, he says, they are condemned. They are godless. In verse eight, polluters. They reject authority. They are slanderous. In verse 10, they're abusive. They go on instinct like unreasoning animals. Uh, verse 11, we've covered these. Sinners like Cain, errant like ba- Rebellious like Korah. Verse 12. They're blemishes. Zits. They're, they're uh, self serving. They're careless. They're clouds without rain. They're trees without fruit. They're waves foaming up shame. They're ungodly. They're grumblers. Fault finders. They follow their evil desires. They're boasters. And then the ESV is even stronger. They are loudmouth boasters. Uh, they are flatterers in the brown-nosing sense, uh, for their own advantage, and they are wandering stars. They, they, the commentators think that in wandering stars, he meant like a shooting star that is there bright for a second and then pff, black, gone. So, Jude, why you got to be so mean? Here's why Jude is so mean. This is why Jude is so strong against these people. You want to know why? Because he knows his brother, Jude was Christ's brother. He's too humble to mention that in his beginning. But Jude was the brother, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, just like James, who he does mention. And he knows his brother, and he knows his Lord and Savior, and he knows that Jesus was as harsh probably more harsh to false teachers. And you know it, too, if you've read your Bible and you've read Matthew chapter 23. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but you know it if you've seen it. There are the seven woes in there, and Jesus is whooping up on people who are teaching false things because he hates it. And he hates it. And this is what he says. These are, this is just a short list of some of the things Jesus says to the people who are teaching false stuff. He calls them hip, hypocrites, sons of hell, blind guides, fools, greedy, self-indulgent, whitewashed tombs, snakes, and vipers. To mention a few things. You know why that is? Because he loves you. There's a scene in The Beauty and the Beast... Yes, I've seen it. Where Belle gets away and all of a sudden these wolves come and they're about to kill her
0: and in comes the beast and he
1: starts smashing their heads and cracking their skulls and he should because he's protecting her. And that's what the Lord Jesus has done. And that's what Jude is doing. They should be having their skulls cracked together in a gentle way because they are hurting you. They are hurting me. They are hurting us. We should not put up with false teachers. One of the commentators says we got to be ready to fight. And we'll talk about how we do that next week. But for now, let me, let me show you. Let me explain to you why this is so important. Why, why can we not let anything change about the gospel? Why do we have to be so clear and understanding? It's because the gospel is the only thing that changes us. And it's the only thing with real power. And if you change it, it's not the gospel anymore. And one of the most beautiful things in this passage is the first verse in which we see one of the greatest gospel presentations in all of Scripture. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. That's the gospel. You and me, those of us who are following Christ, it's not like we decided, hey, God looks like a good choice. I'll make that decision. No, we were running from God with all our might, and he called to us. He said, come home to me, my child. And because of his Holy Spirit, not because of anything good in us, we heard him, we turned, we have come to him. We have been called. Sinclair Ferguson says if there's one word to describe a, a Christian, it's called. But that's not all we have here in Jude. He says we're called, and we're also loved Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Remember singing that song last week? I love that song because it just reminds us of how much God loves us. And if you are not walking with Christ, you have no idea how much God loves you because it's the only way you're ever going to know. And it is just an amazing love. It's a deep love. It's a transforming love. It's something like you've never experienced if you haven't experienced it. Oh, oh, I just love the love of God. So we are, we are called. We are loved by God the Father and then kept. Ooh. This is why Jude put this in the beginning. And like an idiot, I'm putting it at the end. But here's the deal. Jude is about to go and just blast these guys. And it's going to be scary. So he starts by reminding them with the gospel. Here's what we're protecting, brothers and sisters. Here's what we're keeping safe. Here's what we're contending for. That you've been called that you've been loved and that you've been kept. What does it mean to be kept? It means that God is so gracious that even though he's brought us into his kingdom by his work and he loves us in his kingdom by his work, he doesn't expect us to keep ourselves in there. He has set us free in Christ and Jesus is the one who keeps us. Jesus is the one who has his fists clenched tightly around us. Nothing can ever take us out of his hands. And that's the gospel. That means that's we're kept. We're called. We're loved so deeply and we're kept by jesus christ this is why jesus got in the face of false teachers this is why jude did this is why paul did peter did this is why you and i need to be ready to stand up and fight if we ever recognize that there's a false teacher among us we're going to get them a bible and we're going to sit down we're going to teach them their the error of their ways or or we'll get them out of here this is this is the gospel and it's it's what we need to be ready to fight for because here's the reality. Jude talks about doubt. He talks about doubt and people even starting to walk away. And when somebody comes in and it's this type of false teaching that involves leading you into sin. As soon as you start to sin and you're, you're, you're kind of struggling like, is this okay? I'm, I'm not sure if this is okay. This person who's supposed to be teaching me about Jesus is telling me this is okay. Maybe they're doing things to me I don't want them to be doing. Whatever it is, when you start to submit to that a little bit and you start to feel yourself sinning and you're not comfortable with it, you know what happens? You begin to doubt that you've actually been called. And you begin to doubt that God actually loves you as much as He does. And you begin to doubt that Jesus is going to keep you as He has promised to do. And that doubt will be ruinous for you. It'll make the physical devastation of those tornadoes amount to in your life, the same type of devastation spiritually. That's why. That's why they're so harsh. That's why I'm not afraid to yell and get harsh against false teachers. Because I love you and because Jesus teaches me to. So. Two things. Very simple. Next week we'll talk a little more. We'll hit the last few verses. But here's the thing for this week. You and I need to be aware that false teachers do appear from time to time. And we need to be ready to fight. Okay, but more importantly, we need to remember the gospel. We need to remember that God has called us to himself. He loves us and he is keeping us in Christ. And there's nothing anybody can do about that. No false teacher. No, no one can do anything about that. That's the gospel. That's why we're here worshiping him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the book of Jude. A lot of stuff in there. It takes a while to figure that stuff out, Lord, but you have... You've showed us yourself. You've showed us your great love. And just I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the strength to contend for the faith whenever necessary. I pray that like Jude, we would be eager to share the gospel, eager to talk about salvation. But when we have to, Lord, let us put on the gloves and fight against those who would try to teach wrong things. Oh, that you would be glorified in this place every week lord we thank you so much you've done that we thank you for protecting us from false teaching Uh, continue to use us bless us equip us to run to our neighbors and to the nations with the gospel in jesus name we pray amen